0: welcome back to the your Own podcast i'm one of your hosts will hunt and join me this week like every week is sports media's number one joel Linton correspondent it's mr mike Bresden. hello and to his well both me and mike have got our cameras off so he's just in the center of our screen it's um mr tickle himself david harris
1: <laughs> unbelievable thanks well
0: yeah there was no new nickname this week but new year new tickle is what we we're
1: saying yeah new tickle.
0: are you okay
1: not not really after that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um well firstly, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you had a lovely Christmas and a happy new year. Um Mike is going to take the reins um for the for this podcast after this moment because um what we decided as a group that if I was allowed to host the first thirty minutes of this pod would be me ranting But um we're going to talk about two things on this podcast, uh, as you might have guessed, we're going to talk about Chelsea and, um, as Dave has taken to calling him, Tank Lampard. Um, <laughs> which uh, I had to text someone to see if that was funny. I texted <laughs> someone earlier on, I'm like, is this funny? Oh, I don't know, am I no. too close? <laughs> no, but the consensus was they said it was funny. So, um, oh, okay. I'll let you get away with that one then. Shout out Henry Hodgson. <laughs> I'm not going to him for advice on anything Christ I'm not talking to him after Sunday as well Bloody hell um, And then Dave and Mike and going to have a chat to you About Covid firebreak Because I have to leave midway through this call And dry my salty tears um, <laughs> Brez Do you want to lead us off then?
2: Yeah uh, Since I've got the reins I'm going to just take the time to tell you That Joel Linton played a 7.2 at the weekend Against Leicester <laughs> <laughs> um, only, only beaten by the goal scorer the Carroll on the Newcastle team so, so that's a Joel Linton update he's
0: playing well lads <laughs> uh, we we'll give you the grades for five seconds
1: no I, I respect What's it because I had no he's... idea he was going to even say anything about it
2: I quiet <laughs> they didn't know I was going to do that anyway on to Chelsea Chelsea uh, so obviously, not a great result for them at the weekend, losing three one to Manchester City. Um, they've only got four points from their last six games and haven't been any of the top eight so far this season. Obviously, Will's a Chelsea fan, so we're going to be going a lot to him here. Um, shall we start with the team selection issues, Will, which are in your notes?
0: Yeah, uh, I. <laughs> for those who don't know, we have a we have a. Um have a document before that we write stuff down pre-episode. Uh, and we also sort of share it with each other. Um, and to be honest, Mike and Dave usually write it most weeks. And I'll come on here and I'll ask them questions and waffle on in my own way. But this week I actually took notes for the first time because um, I needed to try and explain the horror. That was <laughs> <in my life. laughs> but um, team selection comes from the fact that I think a lot of people have... Uh, Lampard's coming for a lot of criticism over the last couple of weeks about his team selection and um I th- i've been i've been shooting him a bit of bail to be honest but i thought i think there's longer term issues around the team selection but in the short term particular i think there was real problems against the city game i mean there was tactical problems which i think we'll talk about in a bit all across the park but i don't know about the two of you um i don't know if you, neither of you i would expect to have watched the chelsea villa game um but callum hudson adoy started that game and the Pulisic started two, and for the first time in the season, it felt like Chelsea had legit width on the on the wings. Well, certainly since um, they were flying earlier on in the season. And I thought to me it was odd that Hudson-Odoi didn't, play, didn't start this game because you saw when he came on later that although he came into a bit of a nicer environment for him, he, he did have an impact. And he certainly had an impact when he came on against Arsenal too. Um, and it was just a really odd choice for Lamps, so I thought, picking... Ziyech, who clearly to me wasn't fit, and um, given that City's full-backs like to come infield, and Ziyech likes to come infield, I thought they were really sacrificing width and almost making it easy for City to defend. I, I don't know what you two thought watching that game, particularly Dave? on the Yeah, I, I
1: thought it was weird as well. I I mean, I have to admit, like you say, I, I hadn't watched Hudson-Odoi against Aston Villa, but...
0: It wasn't it wasn't a game that was on everybody's lips though, don't
2: worry.
0: He did. he does look to get out wide, um,
1: for sure, Hudson odoi And like you say, it's probably best trying to stretch City's full backs and have someone trying to play narrow against them, which is really what they want someone to try and do against them in the first place, because 'cause they're not particularly wide themselves, Cancelo and and Mandy or Yeah. Cindy Cover even None of them are particularly wide full max I,
0: th- I just I, th- I thought I just like you said, I thought it was odd just but I thought it was I thought it would have been odd to th- zh really works when he's partnering with Reese James because that's a really deadly right side because what you've got there is you've got you've got the creativity of Zh You can come in field and Reese James can retain the natural width um but Obviously, Azpilicueta is, he played his 400th game yesterday, phenomenal servant for the club. Attacking and crossing, other than a brief spell where he made Morata look like a player, um, which he should be knighted for. Um, other than that brief spell, you've never really thought of him as an attacking threat, have you? Um, Not like, really.
2: He's definitely much better going the other way, That
0: lack of That lack of threat on the right really hampered Chelsea's already slightly stilted attacking player, I thought. But, yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree. Obviously, Ziyech, we know, has a, a lovely left foot. A wand, as some people have, have said before. I think that might have been me. Um, it may well have been. And with James on the overlap, <coughs> that pulls the fullback back into positions he doesn't really want to go, giving yeah. Ziyech a bit more space to get his cross in or his shot in or whatever. Obviously, as you rightly say, Will, with Aspen Quetta there, he's not gonna be bombing up and down on the overlap of ZH, um, which which pushes Chelsea's attacks pretty much all down the left where Pulisic to my eyes didn't have much joy
0: either. No. I think I think what was difficult what was difficult for Pulisic was and I think Gary never called it out in commentary, and I think it's probably a wider point of looking at with the team selection is when that team was announced yesterday, a lot of Chelsea fans rejoiced because they've wanted to see Verner, Zidich and Pulisic all play together, which I, yeah is understandable. Like if you're looking at that as a front line on FIFA, you're thinking, wow, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> Give oh yeah, bags, bags yeah. of pace there. I might get some joy. But if you're thinking about it as an actual an actual footballing sense, it it meant that. It meant there was a total lack of lack of presence up there. And as you, you saw it, City Court Chelsea trying to progress the ball through midfield on numerous occasions. And you could see you could see Mendy and Silver thinking, right, we need to get this up and we need to get this quickly. And that's where someone like Abraham or even Giroud, for example, would have probably had a bit more joy up front. Because because Werner, Werner strength is not that Werner strength is playing off people and running in behind. And it's to me, the, I think other than the hudson Adoy not playing, the biggest miss was Abraham not playing. And I know people will love, to, will, people champion Giroud all the time, but in games like this, we know he struggles keeping up with the legs. And I think Abraham can do a really good job of holding it up and he's been on really good form this year. And He'd scored, he'd scored four goals before the Villa game. So, I was amazed to not see him back in here. But, yeah.
2: Definitely agree with that as a point. Dave, for you, Abraham or Giroud up top, would that have changed anything in this game? Yeah, I mean,
1: having someone to actually hold up the ball and someone to really target, I think, as you say, it plays into the strengths of Werner. Um, and, wow, either Z, actual or Pulisic, whoever plays out of them, they sort of enjoy playing off someone. They need some sort of link up, really. Um, I think, to be honest, Abraham's the wiser choice out of the two. He's he's got a bit of pace, um, and and also he's able to, to know what why. Obviously, Giroud's age means he can't really join you in a press, and he's quite slow. Whereas Abraham can sort of help help you press up the pitch. Um, which I think is important, especially when you're playing a team like Man City. Um, Yeah, I just just think they were crying out for someone to hit. Uh, And as Will said, there was no one to hit up there. So it was very much, they got crowded out as soon as they tried to get up the pitch.
2: Yeah. Um, Moving slightly further back then into the midfield. Will, what did you make of the midfield three of Mount Kante and Kovacic?
0: I think I said it to you before we started that they were missing in action for most of them. But I think I would have driven Kovacic to the airport after this game, and I'd have put him on a flight and I've said never come back. Um, <laughs> but I think I think the problem the problems we've got to understand here is that. And I think we probably should have prefaced this by saying that Chelsea's. The interesting thing about this game was that Man City played fantastically well, and it's the best I've seen them play all season. And yeah. they were set up to really exploit Chelsea's problems of defending transitions, for example, and the counter. And they were set up perfectly to do that. And like, you want to talk about like tactics and knowing what you're doing, like Pep's decision to play De Bruyne as a false nine to basically ensure that they always had four versus three in that midfield and then to shut Very off Chelsea's, clever. and then to know that Chelsea's, midf- Chelsea's midfield players want to come inside. So where are you placing your, your full-backs? You're going to tell them, follow them inside. And if Ben Chilwell goes up and he's going to cross it to of Werner, he's going to cross it to of Verna. Ruben Diaz will deal with that all day of the week. So with that being said, I'm not sure what the midfield could really do. But as I said to you, Mike, I think that's a trio that has tons of balance in possession. Um, but Mounts and Kante know where they're supposed to be. They know where they're supposed to be and they'll do the job. Kovacic is always caught the wrong side of the ball in a three. Always caught the wrong side of the ball in a three. You saw it in the Arsenal game as well. And that's why he got hooked at half time in that game. Because he, he just was not helping out his fullback at all. And he wasn't helping out, he wasn't keeping that bit of space there. That's you know you know, the space that, for example, Kevin De Bruyne loves to cross the ball from. He wasn't keeping that I can't think of what it's called. The half uh, space. The half space, that's it. I think I've written it down, haven't I? Um, <laughs> you
2: may have. I, I didn't actually read it off there.
0: But, <laughs> um, but he, he doesn't defend that at all. And when you combine that with the fact that none of the front three were tracking back, like I mean, Pulisic was leaving um, Cancelo and Sterling to go to play 2v1 versus Ben Chilwell, who had a torrid time. And when you consider that, it ended up with Chelsea playing with six outfield players defending, which is... A, recipe for disaster at any level.
2: Yeah, I mean, City are, City are going to exploit that. Yeah. Well, most teams would exploit that, but it's particularly, as you say, the Man City that are playing the best stuff of their season with with two wingers actually playing on the correct side. Sterling, obviously, right foot are playing on the right foot and left foot on the left side. And then you, this shadow strike or whatever you want to call De Bruyne. Um and yeah, Kante, I felt, was just kind of left on his own in the middle there. Yes. I mean, the third goal was a little bit embarrassing. He, he wins the ball, but then it's, it's no, headed straight it's... past him. And Now, that wasn't his fault.
0: No, the third goal, I'm glad you brought it up, because the third goal is incredibly embarrassing. Like, and and I've, I've slated Solskjaer in the past on this podcast for being naive. Rightly so. Rightly so, for being naive. And, I will probably people will probably be like oh you're deluding with blinkered eyes on that I think Lampard is a, I think Lampard's clearly a better manager than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I I don't I don't care what stats you want to bring to me I I think I can see he's clearly a better manager in my eyes at least that being said you can't criticize man united for leaving one person back but not against istanbul back as sure and not point out the fact that every single corner we've defended in the last year, Lampard's left one back, and you saw it against Arsenal in the 2-2 draw, where he slips, where Kante slips, and Martinelli gets through. Like yeah. The naivety to leave one man back rather than 2v2, two two, for example, is ridiculous. It's just, it's schoolboy he, level. It really. Even
2: 2v2, two two, I, I don't like. You want? But, I think you should have a
0: spare man as, a defense, yeah, as the defence. But what I'm saying is, if you're going to be brave, like even Pep even at his most bravest at Barcelona, he always had two back.
2: Yeah.
0: Even the gung-ho managers like that have two back. Like Mourinho would have, wouldn't have... <laughs> you, want take, you want to talk about Lampard <laughs> perhaps being a Mourinho disciple? It, it, you've just seen things like that prove that he isn't. And that was... That was it was at a time where Chelsea needed to keep it at two just to, A, avoid it from becoming embarrassing, but also allow us to perhaps see how you can improve the second half. But that third goal, that third goal was... Disgusting, and that's all on Lampard, it's not Kante's fault, all on Lampard.
2: Yeah, totally agree, Dave. For you, uh,
0: yeah, I was gonna say, I
1: feel like Lampard doesn't understand that Kante is like where Kante's had his real success with, with Leicester and Chelsea before, um, and France. He has a player next to him which has been like drink water. And- <laughs> Matuidi at France, someone that will sit next to him and let him be more of a box to box midfielder in a pivot. Mm-hmm. He's basically just trying to get him to sit deep in a free. And as great as Kante clearly has proven to be as a footballer, like that's not really his role. Like he's he's not a defensive mid. Um, and I actually saw a clip that's resurfaced of I think it was like January 2019, Sorry in a press conference at Chelsea saying. You can't play Kante as a defence in mid and at the time people laughed at him. And now people, obviously, because of the result against Man City, brought that up. Sorry, some sort of...
2: That's what I
1: find personally. Um, And I think when you have a player that's proven themselves to be that good, you need to be playing to their strengths too. You can't really just try and mould them into what you want them to do.
2: Yeah, that's fair enough. Will, um, options-wise on the bench, they had uh, Gilmore, obviously, who we know you love, uh, Havertz as well, and then Jorginho, who could also play in the middle,
0: though. No, he can't. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I, i've had enough like stop it like at some point you have to pick your players based on who's actually a better player and i'm sorry but gilmore's a better player than Jorginho. gilmore's just a better player at this point it's nothing to do with your age Jorginho georginio isn't quick georginio isn't quick enough to close any of the any of the holes that appear in midfield he's a disaster when he plays with kante in a two and He's a moderately less disaster when he's played as a six alone. He's woeful. He's not the answer. The, ans- the answer to Chelsea is just, you've got to find, you've got to play a different shape, to be honest. Dave's right. You can't rely on Kante to be his imperious self that he was in 2016. I don't fully agree that he isn't a defensive midfielder. I think what he's actually is, what he's at, like Sari said, I think what he actually is, is like you say, like he's, he's at his best in a pivot and where he's got licence to go and break up the play all around the pitch.
1: Yeah, that that's more what I mean. Yeah, like, someone that, that's going to have his back if he wants to go up the pitch, yeah, where he I, doesn't have that sort of safety net in this, and I think, this formation.
0: I think, to Lampard's credit, he knows that. I, I think what, you, what you're what you seeing here is, um, it's clear to everyone in the world who Lampard wanted to buy in the summer in Declan Rice, um, and... I think the whole idea of that is that you're looking at almost repairing what was so successful for Chelsea in the Matic-Kante partnership. In that, if you play those two, you can afford to carry a few more players defensively. Um, Like, you can afford to play Havertz in his preferred position at number 10. Um, So what I think is the fix for the midfield, well, not fix for the midfield, but what I'd certainly like to see is, I'd like to see a bit of experimentation. I'd like to see maybe a return to four the four two three one and to give Billy Gilmore a chance to stake his claim next to Kante. Because if it goes wrong, like at least we know. Whereas all we know so far is that Jorginho can't do it. He's just not he's just he's I'm sorry, he's just not good enough for the Premier League. He's just not. And that's not to say he's not been a good player anywhere else, and that's not to say he hasn't had a few good games for Chelsea, but he consistently catches you out. I mean, let's not forget when he was playing as the defeat deepest midfielder away at the Etihad we lost 6-0 so (laughs) (laughs) that's
2: a pretty damning indictment yeah Um, shape wise or tactics going to play Man City with a 4-3-3
0: oh fuck me
2: what what did you make of that Will? what
0: what did I make of that? you know what I thought we were going to do when when I saw the team I thought to myself right real pace on the break we're going to sit back we're going to soak up pressure and we're going to hit them on the break because that's the only possible way we could be playing with those three up front
2: well that's what you think especially yeah. with a young city keeper in goal yeah. who you yeah. really want to test.
0: 5 minutes in we're pressing up the pitch. We're giving him so much space in behind and I'm going I'm sat there going what are we doing? Why why are we playing like this? This makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. Like it was just so odd. It was just like it was like all we've done on this podcast since since we started over the last year when City of had, had had a few problems is say we know how to beat City we know how to beat City you sit back you soak it up you hit them on the counter um, and Lampard last season knew this and tried to do it and it worked once for them and they got narrowly beat at the Yeti had playing that style but this season for some reason he seemed to think you know what we're, we're a good we're a good enough side that can go and play toe to toe with them punch for punch and it's like again it's just a bit naive like you yeah, shouldn't... I'm
2: not sure on what basis he, he would think
0: no. that. <laughs> no, I mean if if this game came for example, if if you replace this game with the Tottenham game, so it came at the Chelsea run a really good run, confidence is flying high, you've got all your fit you've got all your players fit and firing. But I mean bar habits obviously. Um, then I, I would I think just, then, yeah. Fair I enough. would have understood it. But it, it was a bit like it was it, it again it, it lacked pragmatism and i think that was that was the for a guy who was so pragmatic last season and really good at adapting to the various challenges and lampard was that last season it was really weird it was just weird to do that uh, it's just it's just odd and i think it goes beyond this game though as well like you watch chelsea play they're becoming more and more reliant on their full backs pushing forward whereas in the earlier part of the season when they were were really good. They're, the mountain Kovacic or Havertz playing in those two eights were making runs into the box and that was where the width was coming from. They were keeping the width and they were a bit less susceptible to the counter and Lampard just seems to have gone trying to do Liverpool light where he's like full-backs really high at the pitch and the midfield will cover and the midfield just, they're not at that required level to cover. Hold on, hold
2: not I agree. I think it was a bit bit strange to try and go toe to toe with City, although not that we've seen City play this well this season yet. Yeah. Um, but they were obviously brilliant. Dave, for you, will will Lampard come under any press from the Chelsea board, particularly given how much money they
0: spent over the summer?
1: You see, this is a tough one, right? Because it's easy to say, "Oh, he's." He's What's under- worth,
0: Dave? The Athletic reported immediately after the game that they're actively discussing alternatives.
1: I find that crazy, right? I'm going to tell you what, <laughs> why. Because, fair enough, they spent a lot of money. Bencher, well, left back, easy. You've been needed left back for years at this point. He goes straight into the team. What you've done is you bought Havertz, Ziyech, and Werner, and he somehow needs to integrate all three of them, not only into the team but into a new system that works. It's going to take a lot of time, like. I don't.
2: Especially in, in similar certain, positions to where Pulisic and Hudson Odoi play.
1: Yeah, but, but that, Quite that's what I mean. Well. Like have already like ZH for me is not really ever been like an out and out winger. Uh, when I've seen him play, and even at Ajax, sometimes he would play like more centrally, um, <laughs> because they had players like Promez and and stuff out wide, um, and he'd sort of be in like the the middle of their sort of front free behind the striker if that makes sense um and then yeah i just it's so hard to like Werner, as will's pointed out like yes he has out and out been a striker but he's sort of known for drifting to the left
0: and, yeah look at his uh, heat
1: yeah yeah which will has um provided and yeah he does <laughs> drift the left all the time so Going from that when your other strikers have been like Abraham and Giroud who will pretty much stay as central as you can imagine any striker to really stay unless they're actively going to chase the ball whereas Werner's just going to drift anyway. Um, trying to fit Havertz into me is is maybe the hardest one. It's easy to say that yeah, he's the most expensive signing so in theory, you should build a team around him. But to integrate him... Into midfield when you've already got players like Mount and Kante, who obviously are great. Kovacic, as much as maybe Will's not as happy with him this season, no, I, was like, Yeah. He, what, uh, he wish... He's a good player. He's a good player, there's no doubting it. There Billy is Billy Gilmore. Billy Gilmore's great as far as I'm concerned. I think he's a really good young player. Um Jorginho, obviously I think most people have grievances with him at this point, but still not a not a terrible midfielder. It's not like Danny Drinkwater. Uh, he still is a Chelsea player. Um, <laughs> but it's but still, how... I actually it, figured that it, one up. It's more, <laughs> the, it's more the fact that Havertz and these, like Havertz and Werner and Ziyech, they're such high-profile players, you sort of need to work out what they're good at for you. Like, you already know what they're good at, but you need to work out, How you get the best out of them in a system that doesn't disrupt the rest of the team, and I think when you're going to basically blanket change your attack, it's you've got to give him some time. Uh, Maybe I'm being too generous, but that's the area why you should be given time. Like, should he
2: be playing Werner in the position where he scored a bucket load of goals for Leipzig last season, or or should he be expecting to play up front? I mean,
1: personally. I would, if I was a Chelsea fan, I would. It, there's three from two front threes that I would look at: Pulisic on the left, Hudson Odoi on the right, Werner through the middle, and no. you play in midfield, or you get Ziyech out wide, Werner through the middle, and Pulisic because Pulisic is pretty much your best player last season. No, yeah, but, but this is the thing, will You're going to have a different insight because you watch them every week. No, so, it's just what's Werner.
0: Werner can't play up front on his own in the Premier League. He can't. It can't happen. It can't happen. He, he. No. No. He's not. He's not up to it. He's too limited yeah. in the build-up.
1: I mean, also one thing that people are forgetting with Leipzig is that players like Sabitzer and and Kunki, for example, basically yeah. will almost act like second strikers. And yeah. Lampard doesn't have anyone doing that in that midfield three. There's, so there's no, there's no he's problem. pretty isolated.
0: There's no problem with them. Um, there's no problem with um, Werner playing on the left. The problem with Werner playing on the left right now is there's no patterns. There's no patterns of play designed to get him into the game. So like last year at Leipzig, he played he played up front with Poulsen. But again, going back to the infamous infamous heat map, um, you can see him on the left quite a bit. But the way he used to get involved in play was he used to play these little. He comes deep for the ball, plays his little combinations, and he gets up ahead of speed. And then it relies on someone to flick it on, or someone to play the killer through ball. Currently in Chelsea midfield, no one's looking to play the kill the three ball. That's yeah, why yeah. you saw when Havertz was playing as the number 10, you see against Southampton, for example, you saw Werner's best performance. But the other thing is, it's just they need to just, Lampard needs to just sort of focus on, right, how do I how do I exploit mismatches? How do I like, so we, obviously we've got a, a deluge of talent on the right. We've got Ziyech, we've got James, we've got... Havertz when he's playing there, which is going to draw a lot of attention to that side of midfield. If you play football over there, quick combinations, and then you quickly switch. You've got Werner and Chilwell then isolated against less men on the other side of the thing. That's what they did so well at Leipzig was getting Angelino and Werner isolated, getting all those yeah. people over there isolated. That's how it worked. He he can't play up front. He on his own. He just can't. He's not got the he's not got the required it's not that he's not just got the required physical nature. He's just too limited in his build-up play, in his passing and things like that. And these are things that a good coach needs to just help him along with. That's why Nagelsmann, who's known for building players up, worked for him. But yeah,
2: yeah I, think, I think that's a good point. Um, I'd like to see personally Werner out left, although I do like Prudy a lot, so it's a, it's a tough one. They've got a pretty embarrassing few players that they can switch in and out. I'd currently like, at
0: see, currently like to see currently like see Werner fired out of a cannon. Um, <laughs> that being that being said, um, uh, people are really eager to criticise Lamp's about playing um, Werner on the left wing. But it's worth pointing out that Pulisic is made of glass and Ziyech has been made of glass, and they've sort of struggled to have anyone fit. So he's practically been forced to play him out of there, whether you like it or not.
2: Oh, just... Yeah, Havertz hasn't played much either. So
0: no. Yeah, Can it's, I? That's
2: a very good point. So for you, Will, just quickly before we lose you.
0: Well, I'm, what, not, I'm not going what's to. Your, I'm not what's going your to opinion about to... the Frank situation? I'm not going to. I've said this, president don't worry. Um, okay. <laughs> right, you ready for this? You know, I'm well. ready. Right, Chelsea, six games ago, 17 match b- and b run, top of the league, highest scorers in the division. They've had a couple of poor results, right? But look at United now. United are And se- Arsenal. United are second and they lost to Spurs 6-1 at home earlier in the season. The season's nuts. Calling for people's heads based on the results of this season alone is a bit mad. And the, what I kind of want to say is a lot of this, a lot of the calling for Lampard's head is whether or not you rightly believe you should go. And that is an opinion you, could, of course, have. But you've got to ignore your feelings about whether or not you think Lampard should have got the job. You've got to ignore whether or not you're like one of those people who goes, he took Derby from sixth to sixth. You've got to ignore that because the fact of the matter is he got the job and he got the job because he's a legend. And he won't even deny that. However, you look at the reasons why he got the job and what Chelsea brought him in to do. They wanted Lampard to clear out some of the deadwood, which we've already seen. He started to be successful. at. We've seen, for example, we've seen louise move on we've seen william move on pedro's moved on they took managers for years couldn't get rid of them they wanted him to promote youth players into the first team squad i don't think any manager picks up this team and doesn't play mount doesn't play james doesn't play abraham for example they wanted to play an attacking brand of football when they were the third highest scorers last year and i don't think despite chelsea's problems attacking at times this year no one's going to say that they're a defensive team anymore and I think what Chelsea clearly said to him was they want to finish in the top four in your first two seasons and then compete to big trophies in the third season. Like, look at the Werner reporting from when he signed. This is, that's the, that's the long-term project that they all sort of, Lampard apparently sold Werner on, that he sold Ziyech on. The, the Chelsea board said, you get three years, top four the first two as we grow as a team, compete for third, compete for trophies in the third season. And I think, you look at the successes of last year because you have to view his role as longer term than just this last six game stretch. For the first time in since John Terry joined, went from youth to the main squad, you've got an actual meaningful link from the academy to the senior side. And we've got, if you've got one academy that is as good as Chelsea's, you have to have someone who wants to do that. You have to have somebody who wants to play for a, who wants those players to come through and play. And I guess I guess the question you have to ask the board is like, how embarrassing is it for you that you've said to a legend and let's not make a mistake. He is a legend.
1: He's probably the definition of a club. He's he's Chelsea's best
0: ever player. It's, It's not it's not as simple as talking about Scolari or any of those people who who mean nothing. It's not it's not as simple as that. It's like, what do you want? Do you want is winning an FA Cup every year that important to you? Is winning a small trophy that important to you? Or do you want to build something long-term? Because yeah. if you want to build something long-term, look at the strength, look at the way he's rebuilt this squad already. Look at the way that, yeah, he's handed tons of money, but look at the spine of players he bought in. And I, I, I to me, for me, going to sack him is just gonna to lead to another two year mercenary that comes in who repeats the same mistakes as past managers. You're gonna have disastrous short term planning like you had in seventeen eighteen and eighteen nineteen when you bought Kepa, Jorginho, Murata back at Yoko. And I think I think that's just calling for his head is nuts. And I think you're nuts. And it doesn't really matter what you think about Lampard. I think you have to give managers time, especially in a season where he they've had a load of players come in. And that takes time for attacking players to gel and work together. And then, when you factor in the fact that there's been injuries and the factor in the time they have no training, they practically have no training before matches. Why does every why is it everyone expecting instant success? Why are the board expecting instant success? It's time, and it was it's it was time a long time ago, but it is properly time now for Chelsea to just decide that we are we need to build something here long term because you can't do this in one season anymore. Because you just leave the club in an absolute shit show and it takes 300, 400 million one summer to sort it out.
2: Absolutely. Dave, you've got your hand up.
0: Yeah, Um. just quickly,
1: I think the whole thing with people wanting Lampard gone is more people sort of felt that even though he's a club legend, maybe from a coaching and managerial experience point of view, maybe some people felt he didn't deserve the job. That,
0: uh, but that's um, undeniable.
1: No, no, yeah. Yeah. I, I get that, he, Will, because... The, he
0: won't even dispute that.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, it means that people aren't giving him a fair crack of the whip, I feel like. I mean, I don't want to compare too much because, obviously, Jürgen Klopp came into Liverpool as an already amazing manager. But, like, if you can you imagine if Liverpool sacked him because he had a few bad results in his first few seasons and look where they are now? But I'm not saying Lampard can, or this team can ever turn into what Liverpool are now. It's too early to ever say that. But if they give him time, he could certainly turn them into a, a decent team, especially when you consider a lot of the players are young and know when they're their peaks yet.
2: Yeah.
1: Like Havertz is what, like 2021? 20, Reese James is young. Even Mason Mount's still pretty young. Tammy Abraham's not that old, really. Pulisic. No if if they give someone time and those players obviously develop more which they will do like they just genuinely could be like a, a top top team again which chelsea fans are obviously longing for them to be because it's, yeah, it's been a few years since that
0: that's the thing for me with all this with all the lampard out stuff and I, and again i do get that if you want lampard out because you think he's not good enough tactically then that is your call and that is that is something you can say like i'm I've been as critical as anyone. I think, <laughs> particularly in this one, about <laughs> things he's got wrong. And, and again, I, I will always have blinkers on for Lampard. Like, there's never going to come a point where I'm going to ask for Lampard to be sacked. I'm just not going to do that because he. De- I think he deserves to see out his contract because you sign a contract with a manager and you let them go. I think, and you don't just sack him because things go wrong. I always thought it was wrong when we sacked Mourinho. And I thought it was wrong when we when we sacked when we sacked AVB for example and when we sacked Matteo I just thought it was I thought it was wrong you, you can't sell these managers on a project and not let let them have the opportunity to do it um and I think I think so many people are quick to like you say Dave to say he shouldn't have got the job and I just think I think that's such an irrelevant point of view because he's got the job it's like when we talk about Solskjaer when we talk about Solskjaer perhaps not being up to the job or Arteta not being up to the job it's never why they got the job. We're not. That shouldn't be how you look at a manager. It shouldn't be how you judge a manager. You should judge a manager on the actions while he's in the job. And for anyone to say that Lampard's Chelsea career up to this point hasn't been a success when they look into all the context that's happened is is an idiot and a dumbo. And I think war on. That so, Brent why that, do you think he should be out?
2: I think that was the best five to seven minutes of our podcast ever. We may as well just... Not bother
0: talking about the COVID <laughs> five right now. Well I've got to go now. Um yes. but, but ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear more about Wilhelm talking about Jorginho or ch- just go outside. And if you see an old man shouting at a cloud, it's me. <laughs> There's right. also
2: plenty more episodes where Will brings <laughs> up uh, Jorginho at some stage.
0: Yeah, I do just quickly want to say that um Mendy should have had the first goal and if he was if he was two metres off his line rather than three metres, he would have had it. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, maybe me and Dave will quickly discuss Mendy before moving yeah. on. But thank you very much, Will. That was no extra no stuff. I no actually agree with you. We've seen Arteta start to turn it around at Arsenal, having been for a poor run. Solskjaer, also poor run. They're now second in the league. They're not joint top, by the way. They're second in the league. That's the point of goal difference, everyone.
0: I, it's so annoyed. Chelsea Chelsea lost, because I had 10 minutes of like really good jokes about joint top. we going to have to see. <laughs> right, I'll talk to you later, everyone.
2: Cheers, Will. Cheers, Will. Um, quickly on Mendy then, Dave. What are your What are your thoughts
1: about? Right? Well, he's he started to make a few mistakes. I think he's been watching Kepa at the training ground too much, to be honest, Mike. He started off solid, but then thing is, was he really ever that solid, or was it just he was doing basics that Kepa hadn't even been able to show that he could do? So people were basically celebrating a goalkeeper that could save any shot. Well, not even. Like he has made some good saves. Um, like there was a particularly good save he made from, I think it was Rodri in the Man City game. Somehow Rodri got free, header at a corner, got some real pace on it. Um, and he managed to tip it over the bar. I thought it was an excellent save, really. Um, especially given Kepa would have caught it, turned around and kicked it into the net. Um, but again, I feel maybe people were over-celebrating him. Um, just he was able to make saves and after watching a keeper who you spent 73 million or whatever on not even be able to do the basics at times for three years to see a keeper able to do the basics people were acting like he was you know an allison or an addison almost just because he was so much better than what they'd had before but now it's sort of coming home to roost that maybe he's just an average keeper or maybe he's not even a top-level keeper. It's hard to say yet, to be fair. Like, again, if you're going to give Lampard time, you need to give Mendy some time, I guess, to really prove himself. I mean, I remember Alisson's famous Cruyff turn against Leicester that went horribly wrong, (laughs) and he's turned out to be brilliant, so... But, yeah, I I do understand like, he started off solid and now he's showing himself not to be as solid, so maybe it's the Kappa curse at the the training ground, or maybe the lack of training, Will says, means only the goalkeepers meet up, and it's just Mendy like, mimicking Kepa, because he's spending <laughs> too much time with him. Who knows? Well, let's,
2: hope let's hope he's not doing that, because Kepa only just saved more than one in every two shots he faced, which is horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mendy, particularly with his feet, is something that worries me. He, he, it's just some simple passes. He did one at, at Old Trafford, and he did one uh, on Sunday as well which almost just bizarre mistakes really like lapses of concentration as Will said he maybe should have done a bit better with one of the goals I think we need to as, as you rightly say Dave we need to give him a bit more time but yeah. maybe he's not quite the answer that we thought he might have been when he first arrived um, we'll move on from Chelsea though
1: yeah I think well I mean given Will's Got his Chelsea insight out the way. I feel we've probably got as much out of it as we can, really.
2: Definitely. I think that was that was a nice segment on Chelsea. So we'll move on to um, something that's also been making the headlines, obviously, which is a, co- a potential COVID fire break for the Premier League. Yeah. Maybe lower down as well. So that would involve essentially a two-week break of fixtures with no games. Yeah. Um, this may prove difficult given the Euros are supposed to be happening this summer. Um, and obviously we've already had a lot of fixture congestion, but I don't know what your thoughts are on this as an idea. Um,
1: I think that it's very, you see, the thing is for me with this, my side of it, I haven't really seen what the coaches have said. Um, we actually have just to plug this quickly we have a an article coming out this week basically what we sum up from the festive period and both me and mike have written about this but i've very much gone down the players side which what we've seen in the press and mike's sort of gone down what the managers view on it is um, so i have to admit i'm pretty much only really aware of the footballers side not the actual coaches or managers or anyone in any board if they've spoken on it uh, any chairman for example um I think one thing that annoys me is, it's it's very much like a few of them are spoiling it for the rest. Because obviously, when you think about what what's in the press, there's literally hundreds of Premier League footballers. Hundreds. Every team has twenty-five man squad. Twenty teams in the league. That's at least five hundred players. And then they've got young players that don't even need to be registered that play. You know, there's, there's hundreds of them, and and most of them, you've not heard a peep of them offside the football pitch. But what has been publicised this entire time, and rightly so, uh, because they're role models for so many people and their actions sort of... Whatever you say about footballers, people laugh about, I don't know, someone like Hilaire, for example, at West Ham. They might say, like, he's not really lived up to the billing. But we know what it's like to be kids. Like, most most kids look up to some sort of footballer that plays to their team. Um, these players have a lot of influence. And frankly, the stuff that's been reported over Christmas and New Year's, it's, it's pretty disgusting. Like, it's not at this point, again, first lockdown, footballers like Grealish and Walker did it. Um, obviously, they got people came down on them hard and, and rightly so. But we had not been in that situation before. This is, you know, bordering on our third lockdown and... These guys definitely know what the rules are. The rules are as clear as they've ever been, and they're taking no notice of it, it feels. Um, one that really got... Well, didn't get to me, that's the wrong word, but one that really annoyed me was the whole West Ham and Tottenham situation with Reguilon, La Salso, Lanzini, Lanzini, and Lamella. Um, obviously, I understand probably why those guys know each other, Argentinian and Reguilon. Um, I imagine... Has probably become friends with Lamella and and Lasalso, so uh, that's probably how those guys have ended up being friends. But still, they met up in a group of nineteen. Um, obviously, London's been in Tier Four for uh, for a while, so they weren't even supposed to meet anyone from outside their household. And then, to I think also the fact that they've posted it on social media. I don't know why that's like another element of it to me. It's like you're basically you know all these people the normal people are taking all these precautions uh, and you're just flouting them and basically rubbing it in people's face even if that's not their intention and they're just happy that they're seeing people at christmas um that one particularly annoyed me to be honest
2: um yeah i think you made a good point there about them being role models and yeah that on social media it's just it's just a dreadful look even even if you are doing it it's it's not a very good place to put it when these younger kids who look up to Celso, lanzini or whatever What what sort of message does that send to them it's it's definitely not a good one
1: yeah and and also what i feel with it is if you're a spurs player right you you've had a brilliant win at the weekend but the only thing that's in the press is that three of your teammates were idiots i think even i mean i've seen no publicity of this um but I imagine maybe even those big players in the dressing room, like Harry Kane, for example, I imagine he's probably pissed off with them. Like you've taken the shine off what we're doing on the pitch, which is one of the best seasons I've had in years. Um, basically just because you're idiots and you can't abide by some rules. Like as much as it pisses off people like us, Mike, I imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine Mourinho being particularly light on the matter. If, if I'm honest, well,
2: um, I'd expect yes, no, I him to on after his his private training session with Ndombolo in the first lockdown.
1: True, and then there was like donut. Musa, Sissoko met up like three times or something.
2: It's not the first, second, or even third time that Spurs have been caught <laughs> breaking the rules. I don't know what's going on over there. Um,
1: yeah, I don't know what the they're doing. The point I
2: wanted to make was Milivojevic, who is the Palace captain. Yep, broke was was broke the rules. What happens if he gets COVID and Roy Hodgson's, what, in his 70s? Yeah. After, mate, gives it this to Roy Hodgson. Yeah. He, he, he's going to get probably pretty ill from it at best, Yeah, you would think. And then what happens if a Premier League manager, let, touch wood, this doesn't happen, but what would happen if a Palace captain gives it to his boss and then he doesn't make it?
1: Or, or, even if he ends up seriously ill in hospital, yeah, or
2: seriously ill do the, we, where do we go from there?
1: Yeah, and again, I felt sorry for Roy Hodgson because Like it's so, it's so naive. That's all I can describe it. Like if these plays were like eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, or whatever, and it's it's a bit off topic, but I did see it today. Basically, Oxford United had two youth players, I believe 17, 18, uh, not abide the rules. They've actually been fined by Oxford United and basically told to stay away from training, really heavily punished. Those guys, yeah, inexcusable what they've done. I think they met up with some friends, whatever. But they're 17, 18. You can maybe give them a bit of a pass. Um, Not a pass, that's the wrong word, but you can maybe be like, okay your teenagers, your mates have asked you to do something, can being a teenager, you've maybe gone, okay, I'll go and do it, knowing I shouldn't, which to be honest, in some contexts, I think everyone as a teenager has done, but these are like fully grown guys, who are like 30 years old, have young families themselves, whatever, like they should know a lot better, um, and Havevi's being a captain, if I was a manager in this situation, if anything, I would want my captain, you know, obviously you've got to take these precautions, I'd want them to be instilling that into the squad and making sure that we have as best as starting 11 we can every season that we can control. Like, yeah, players can get injured, but if you're doing everything you can with these these measures to make sure none of you get the virus, you're putting yourselves in the best position of finishing high up the table because you're going to have your best 11 every every game that you can afford to have. Um And also, Roy Hodgson, I saw in the interview. I sort of want to know more about it. He almost was like he wasn't really aware. I got the impression of, or he didn't realise how bad it was.
2: Yeah, how bad
1: people had received it.
2: I think yeah, he didn't. He was sort of like that worried about. Yeah,
1: we'll deal with it internally. Like he wasn't even sure of what had gone on himself. But I mean. As you say, Mike, Roy Hodgson of of all the Premier League managers, he's you know he's he's in unfortunately that high risk category that people have known of for a long time. It must be a kick in the teeth for him, really. Um, I, I would have fought, and then obviously with Miloradovic, you've got Metrevic at Fulham, and Fulham had already had games postponed because of COVID, and then you've got to start thinking, Mike, to be honest, as long along with Man City with Mendy and Walker what if these guys are missing games because someone they're training with has been an idiot to use? Surely that they have to start banning these players. Like you can't, or finding them at the least, like obviously if someone catches COVID or tested test positive, you know, fair enough. That's what a testing scheme's there for. But if you can track it back to any sort of transmission to a specific player from breaking the rules, surely they need to get some sort of punishment because it's, yeah. it's really unexcusable at this point.
2: Uh, I mean, so, it's yeah, always it's, been unexcusable, but... it's now, it's pretty much at its peak. All time, yeah, yeah. We're, we're unfortunately at probably the
1: worst place that we've been in this whole pandemic. And, yeah, they're just... It's like the message hasn't got through to them all somehow. Even though yeah. I'm sure footballers, on, on even like a, a working man's level surely they're aware of the privilege that they've had this this whole time. Like, There's been so many people not able to go and do their jobs, not able to go and stuff whatever they've enjoyed. Since this has come back with testing, they've been able... Yeah, people say they get paid loads of money, but at the end of the day, they just enjoy playing football, and they're able to get paid and enjoy doing what they do this whole time, and it's not come into question again since it restarted. And that, I think, is an incredibly privileged position in itself.
2: Definitely. I think um, we're starting to see that maybe they're taking it a little bit for granted again. Um, yep. There was a couple of points you made in there. What One of them is that players can just test positive, which they definitely can. Because yeah, and obviously you can't unlike, punish them for that. Because... No, no. Unlike in America, where for some of the, I think the NBA did it, where they bubbled the whole league. Yeah. We, we obviously haven't done that, which means... That the footballers' wives or girlfriends or children are still yeah. going to school or doing whatever they do. So they're still going out. They could easily bring COVID back in um, and people test positive. I'm sure that's been going on the whole time. Yeah. Um, but obviously, when you see photos of Lanzini, LaCelso, et cetera, I, to me, all of them are being dealt with internally. Now, I think, I personally think that, yeah, like you said, Dave, the FA should be looking to start getting involved and just ban them for two weeks yeah yeah yeah. instead of giving them them an isolation
1: well obviously they have to isolate anyway but give them like a to be fair mike i I would maybe go harsher than that so obviously they're going to miss two games or three games in the two weeks they have to isolate anyway why why not ban them for like two games after so because they miss those games anyway whether they're testing positive through innocence or inaction.
2: So, no, so what I mean is, like Lanzini yeah. and LaCelso or, or Mendy, none of them have tested positive or been told otherwise. Um, Lascello has, I believe. Oh, has it. Well, this is the okay. thing.
1: This is the thing. I've uh, I did see early doors that apparently Lo Celso and Regulon had. Now I haven't actually seen anything confirmed by Tottenham, so I'm not actually sure how accurate okay. that information is. That's all.
2: Got yeah. So what I was meaning that for the ones that break the rules, that get caught, but they're not positive, just ban them for two weeks, you're not hard oh, okay, to play. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, if you get COVID and you seen to be breaking the rules, then you have to isolate, which you have to do by law, and then you I, get banned okay, for two um, weeks. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I follow you. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, would be the that's only Because
2: th- then people would start sticking to the rules, <laughs> I thought.
1: Um, yeah, because, I mean, there's always that thing with footballers, if you find them, uh, most people are aware, a, a fine that would seem frankly a breaking sum to anyone else isn't actually that hor- horrific for them but if you stop banning them from the games i think they'd quickly get back quick get stand and if you know for example um well yeah look at milohevic use him as an example he's he's captain of palace he tests positive for example he misses two games and then he was to get banned for two games on top. He's let down his club for four. What? He's for let him down him. his club for four games, basically. Uh, and then the I think it really would hit home for them how bad these actions are. I mean, what I'm trying to get at is, if they test positive through no fault of their own, um, they're not letting their team down because you know they've just unfortunately tested positive, which is what the testing system's so great for. But. If they've tested positive for inaction, then then yeah, it's it's their own fault, really, isn't
2: it, To be yeah. to be honest, um, I I think that a fire break might not be a terrible idea. You can obviously educate the players again on on their what they're supposed to be doing, even if it's clearly not going in at the moment. I, f- I feel like some of the particularly the older staff are putting themselves at risk for us to watch a bit of football. Every, yeah, every now and again. And to be honest, uh, it's starting to get to the point with the COVID cases around the country that maybe it's it's and in the Premier League that it's not worth it, especially when you hear, is it Saint Maximin and Lascelles at Newcastle having long COVID and they're still yeah they're really, they're still really, really ill. Well?
1: Um, so I, if that
2: can happen I, yeah. to top top level athletes.
1: What? Yeah, who are young? Well, I mean, LaSalle, I think Saint Maximin Mike is actually younger than us. Um,
2: yes, yeah, so he's probably. So it's a he bit depressing like 20,
1: concept, but um, twenty
2: four maybe, 24.
1: Yeah, yeah. March I mean, ninety seven. So yeah, he's twenty three. Yeah,
2: he is younger than us. And um, even
1: um, the sales is, I'm sure thirty at most. No, he's twenty seven. So, so yeah, yeah not much over us either. Uh, and they're, you know, elite athletes. Frankly, they're, exactly. they're in good shape with good health. You could ever be in, um, and they're they're struggling with it. And I, I know Bruce did release in like a interview that uh, I think it was LaSalle's, uh, maybe both of them are at a point. This is a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if they've improved. Um, they couldn't go for a walk for more than like 30 minutes and just basically yeah. have to lie in bed from fatigue. And if it's, if it's not, as we say, professional athletes like that, can you imagine the impact it could have on, well, for example, even Steve Bruce himself, like he's, yeah. he's got to be – Late 50s, early 60s by now, I would have thought. Um, I would imagine so. It's, yeah, 60, it, as yeah. you say, it is getting to the point where maybe if the players are, are OK, the coaching staff are certainly getting brought into dispute. And I mean, you could even argue the refs on some point, like some of them are 40s, maybe maybe 50s. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I,
2: big Big Sam's been calling for this fire break, and I'm not surprised the way his team. Yeah, playing, I'm not
1: surprised but, in the position he's in. Um,
2: but he's also an, an older. Yeah, who would I just, be at risk. So. I,
1: I do also think with this that, I mean, there is a there is a side for it that people say football shouldn't be cancelled because it. I, I admit, since football was back, it's something you can look forward to, however bad other things are, and it's. Something that allows you to escape, I guess, from really what's been going on and whatever. And you can just sit and watch the football if you really want. You can watch, with the TV rights, four games back-to-back on a Saturday or a Sunday, which Yadar argues isn't good because there's no 3pm kickoffs other than one. But personally, I think it's, it's quite nice to have that. Um, not actually Yadar to my dad. It's just for that generation um not calling my dad on the <laughs> um but i think it's very yeah it's very at the point where we like me and will in particular before the restart came back we were quite vocal about the effect it could have and that effect's never really happened but it feels like it's starting to now like it's yeah, starting to, you or it know, could the, get to that point yeah the cases could get out of control um like, we're already at a point where every game week there's, you know, two games called off. Um, when do they When do they decide enough's enough? What if we get to a point where... Yeah, what if we get to a point where most of the fixtures aren't going ahead each week? Because surely at that point it's detrimental to even try and see out those those fixtures. You may as well stop everyone from playing.
2: Yeah, I tend to agree. I think we because- definitely... It's, yeah, it's an interesting example, debate whether it will happen. I would yeah, say I probably, mean, it's just... Probably not I, at the moment, but...
1: My biggest thing with that is, for example, say you have a team like Liverpool and they're fortunate to have a three-game run where all of their opposition can play. But you've got another team that, say, one of their games is called off, then they play, then the game's called off, and they're playing a team like Liverpool. Now, Liverpool have had three games, they've had one in the same period... I mean, yeah, Liverpool are fantastic, but you you uh, that or even if it was vice versa, um, and Liverpool are the team that played one game, and the team that are positioned have played three. Um, their their fitness is they've got a fitness advantage. I don't think that's really fair either. If it gets to that point, you may as well just take a break and and regroup and get back to everyone being able to play their fixtures.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, particularly with the January window obviously there might be some transfers coming in and out of the country which would be interesting with uh, the lockdown that's just been announced while we've been recording
1: be, yeah I mean to be fair Mike I'm not sure if that happens for many financial reasons but yeah I'm still interested to see what happens
2: definitely uh, be interested to see how this plays out hopefully obviously everyone in the Premier League and beyond um, Stay safe and healthy. That's that's obviously the message here. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah I, I mean, that's
2: what we've been trying to put across the whole time.
1: Yeah, and also that players stop being idiots. Basically, is what yes, I would like w- to see.
2: <laughs> that would be helpful. Um, but I think that will just about do it for this week's episode. So I hope you enjoyed um, the Chelsea chat and then our little COVID recap or whatever you want to yeah. call it. Just there for twenty minutes. You
1: thought you could escape it listening to this podcast? <laughs> Sorry, it's taken. It's not been many episodes out of fifty-four, but unfortunately, this is one that where we have to talk about it.
2: Yeah, felt like we had to give it some time. Unfortunately, we'll we'll uh, steer clear of it for now on. Yeah. Um, Unless it's worth, well
1: yes. that Jorginho has a reason to not play, uh, might be the only the only time it gets mentioned.
2: That will do it for this week. Obviously, everyone stay safe. Uh, stay healthy, it's lockdown free so you've got plenty of more episodes to listen to and also a bit of reading to do as Dave mentioned earlier we've got a little festive article coming out on the In The Round media website so go and check that out that'll be out on Wednesday of this week Um, if the people want to follow you Dave, where can they do that?
1: Uh, It's at Dave Harris underscore 44
2: Lovely, if you want to hear anything about Joel Inton including his who scored ratings uh, it's it's at Mikey Breslin on Twitter. Will is at Will Hunt seventeen. But obviously, I wouldn't bother following any of us because you can hear all our thoughts on the podcast, on the website, or at In and Around Pod on Twitter as well. Thanks a lot. Take care.
1: Cheers.